Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Episode number 195. I don't know why my voice cracked. That's a little weird. I'm 45. I should be past that. Episode 195 of the Course Grind Podcast with you as always this evening. Host creator, Sean Rossler. How is everyone doing this fine, fine, cooling down evening? Heading into fall, into winter. Here we go again. Not on our own and traveling lots of roads I've known, so no worries. Hair rock reference aside, good to be back, good to be heard. Always glad to be bringing you the culinary backstories you never thought you needed to hear or thought you knew. And tonight, boy oh boy, do we have a winner. A winner most recently voted a winner as best cheesesteak of the Bloomsburg Fair, no less. Oh, that's a teaser. That's what they call a teaser in the biz, kids. And while I know, I know, shame on me, I don't necessarily gravitate to the cheesesteak as my go-to. I know. Like, like, hate on me, that's fine. I appreciate expertise where I see it. And, well, every year it's my wife's first stop, so let's give it the attention it deserves. When you think cheesesteak, you think Philly. You think Pats or you think Geno's. You think wit or not. Some basic entries there, right? You know, but who wants to drive to Philly to get one of the best cheesesteaks around? You, you know, and this is, this is, I'm not saying they are by, by taste. I'm saying that's what people, like offer up as, you know, oh, the 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 measuring sticks, Pats or Geno's. Okay, cool. I don't want to drive there. I'm not that guy. I'd rather rely on an institution that's been around for 65 years. 65 years, man. Since 1957, they've worked to make cheesesteaks, not to mention sausages and other food concessions, a popular choice in the Lehigh Valley and beyond. Five generations and counting. In this family business rooted in a region that I've been lucky enough to learn some things about through marriage. And boy, oh boy, are there some things to learn about. Long story short, these folks, and certainly tonight's guest, are proud of the tradition built across the valley and beyond. Now, naturally, I don't have all five generations here, nor do I have even more than one person. But the one who I have here is a gent I've shared a pint or two with, and certainly appreciate his taste in music, who... Just happens to be one of the captains in the fleet, so let's bring him on, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone in between. Operations veteran of the Vince's Cheesesteak Legacy, fellow o- Oasis Mark, and Parkland High Class of 98 President, Mr. Chris Coco. What is going on, sir? How are you, Sean? I am well, sir, and yourself. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I love the intro. Uh, I'm excited to be here. I, uh, you know, I, I really like, I go in the mirror and I, I do that, like get myself pumped up mode, like Reservoir Dogs, um, you know, just to kind of get myself there. So, you know, I'm glad the enthusiasm came through and it is, again, an absolute pleasure to have my wife's first stop every year for as long as I can remember at the Bloomsburg Fair here with us tonight. So folks new to the program, Folks with terrible short-term memories like yours truly, starters, mains, and afters. Starters, we're going to talk to tonight's guest about where they came from, the origin story, if you will. Now, obviously, Chris here is going to have to reach back a little bit. He's got to account for five generations. No pressure, sir. Mains, we're going to talk about where they're at presently, what it is they're doing, and what it is they hope to do in the near future. And finally, afters. A little bit more irreverent, a little bit more off the cuff, but no one has been profoundly injured in 194 episodes, so I don't see it happening here tonight. So without further ado, Mr. Chris Coca, class president, Parkland High School, class of 98, talk to me about where and what you grew up eating. 
<laughs> yeah, um, that's a great place to start. <laughs> um, man, I grew up, I was telling somebody tonight that my my history in this business goes back 40 years, and mm-hmm. I'm only 42, and they kind of were like, you know, that's bull crap, right? No, said, it's no. true, man. It's true. It's true. It's true. When I was, I, my earliest memory of the food business is being three years old, mm-hmm. standing in the back of my dad's old Waymatic concession trailer, like, like the hot dog wagons you see out there with Coca-Cola branding. For, yep. So we had one of those converted into a, the first ever Vince's cheesesteak, um, you know, concession. And actually it was the second, but anyway, I'm standing back there three years old and I'm literally peeling slices of American cheese off of the stack and handing them to my dad, who's Vince Jr. And he's putting them on the steak and serving up the cheese legs. And I remember that. So growing up, I mean, I ate a lot of cheesesteaks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, a lot of cheese steaks. Um, and then when my family opened up their double drive through uh, in Allentown in 1985, that, that place ran from 85 to 95. I started get, getting into pierogies, and that's become just like a staple of my life. It's pierogies. Uh, homemade or Mrs. T's. I go both ways. I love a pierogi. Yeah, there's but, nothing wrong with Mrs. T's. Let's go on record right? here. Can we agree on Mike? That all the purists and, and and listen, actually, I just had Mayor Justin Hummel of Bloomsburg and uh, his wife Kim. The, they have brewskis here in Bloomsburg, and they make like house made pierogies. I'm not yeah. saying it's going to be the same vibe, but what I'm saying is there ain't nothing wrong with Mrs. T's pierogies. A lot of frozen food we can disparage, but Mrs. T's, I think they get it. No, Mrs. T's knows what they're doing, and you know it, it, it's that old thing of like, all right, it's a mass produced product. Yeah, but it's always the same quality, and it's oh, always yeah. quality. Whether yep. you bake them, fry them, salt, whatever you do to them, yep. they're always great. Yeah. And a little inside baseball for people is, you know, it's much easier for people like me as a food vendor to give you Mrs. T's pierogies at a price point that you won't balk at, that I could still make money from, rather than doing it on the homemade side, because the homemade pierogies are, rightly so, super expensive, because all it's all handwork, it's all love, it's all passion, but... They're hard to sell, even though they're delicious. Yep. So. And, and and by the way, kids at home listening, he just said inside baseball, followed it up with the verb balk. So if you're paying <laughs> attention and you want to be a class A guest, go to school on Chris Coca. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so double drive in 1985, then what happens? Well, and so my dad, basically, my dad and my grandfather, they started that in 85. That goes 85 to 95, but but prior to all that, they had other experiences that, that kind of parallel a lot of like what we see happening, you know, in the history of the Rust Belt. Like whether you think of Allentown, Bethlehem, Easton, even into, you know, Bloomsburg and that whole area, like, you know, you have your ups and your downs economically, you have your, your demographic changes, you have all that stuff going on. And, yeah. you know, that always affects the family business. So yeah. for us, um, we start in 1957. Mm-hmm. In in the walk up basement little shop that was in, in a building where my grandfather lived, and back in the day, as you know, and as Billy Joel likes to remind us, Allentown, Bethlehem, it was all the factory jobs, and it was mm-hmm. booming. And my pop, he was a Navy vet. My grandfather, my, we always called my grandfather Pop. Yeah. Um, he was a Navy vet, and he learned how to cook from his Italian parents and from his and from being in the Navy. And, you know, serving all the guys on ship every day during World War II. When he comes home, he tries a couple different things, isn't quite finding what he's passionate about. Eventually, he opens up a steak sandwich shop in the bottom of his house in the Mm -hmm. walk-up basement. And uh, he actually really makes his first success at being the guy who delivers 
to all the different factories up and down the Lehigh River in Allentown. And that's how he got started. And I mean, um, listen, kids, if you want to see a like a geographical impressive view, that's that's a view. That's a view right there. All up and down the Lehigh. Like seeing that, like like to me to this day, I've seen it, but I drive by it. I'm like, you know, that's really impressive. You yeah. know, and it, it takes a lot. So so to imagine delivering steaks up and down that drive. First of all, that that had to have been a hell of a haul for him. But at the same time, like you're thinking about, you know, tough, roughneck guys and factory gate. Like who's not buying a cheesesteak? Who's not buying a steak sandwich? So, right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, back then, cardiologists weren't exactly a popular thing. So, moving on. No. Uh, moving on. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, man. So then, you know, long story short, he, he has some success, and he ends up opening a, a drive-in restaurant in the west end of town, in the suburbs, closer mm-hmm. to where, where you know, where Parkland High School was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, that does well for a long time, but, you know, economic pressures start to happen. Um, McDonald's starts rolling out all of their franchises all over the place. And, you know, all of a sudden the mom and pops are having a hard time competing. And, you know, obviously in the early eighties, we get into recession and all that stuff. And so in the early eighties, they shut down there and my dad and my pop really leaned into the mobile food. And so our concession trailers would go all over the state, but we would go out you know, these days, the furthest we typically go would be like a Bloomsburg or, or, you know, maybe a little bit further. We got to the York Fair all over the place, yeah. Clarion County, Clearfield. And, you know, they were just trying to, trying to keep things going because they had had some hard times at the end of the, at the end of the uh, drive-in restaurant. So they kept it going and they really kind of planted the seed of getting our brand out there. But, you know, it's like 1983, 84. My dad's not thinking in terms like branding. He's not thinking marketing. Yeah. He's thinking, let's make some yeah. good food and let's send some money home. You know yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. I mean, that was about the sandwich by sandwich approach. And, you know, obviously yeah. today, I think we're a little bit more savvy. And I want to talk more about Vince's kind of as we go along. Folks listening at home, check out Vince's Cheesesteaks on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Insta, and thecheesesteakplace.com. Um, but Chris Coca, back to you, if I may, for just a hot second. Um, you know, so obviously you ate a lot of cheesesteaks growing up. We get it. We get it. Um, with that said, you know, I kind of know a little bit about the region, but maybe a lot of people don't. And I'm sure that's true. People know the Billy Joel song. Oh, you mean the Billy Joel song? No, not really, but moving on. Um, talk to me about childhood foods that you grew up with. That sure. maybe now, now, now you're still down kind of around in the area, right? Like you, you didn't. Yeah, really, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm still in the, I'm still in the zip code. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. So you're not necessarily maybe missing out on the local fare, but I do know that even if you stay local, you can miss out on it. Childhood foods, um, that just bring about waves and pangs of nostalgia. Maybe you can't sure. recreate them. Like what are some of those for you? Sure. Absolutely. Well, one of the things was like stuff that was homemade from my grandmother, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, for us, it always ties back to the business, but like we would, you know, during fair week, Allentown fair week, every year she had a traditional dish that she made, which was like an Italian peasant dish. And my granny wasn't Italian. My pop was Italian. Mm-hmm. My granny was PA Dutch. So I got both sides. And I oh, always tell people, damn. you know, I'm half Italian, I'm half Dutch, and I'm 100% carbohydrate. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. Yes. Between the bacon dressing and the pasta. Like, oh, Jesus. So, yes. Yes. But she made a dish. It was just called steak and peas. That's what we called it. But it was tomato sauce with 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 cubes of, of steak and and peas. And she would slow cook it for like a day. And that's what we would eat all during fair week. So 
like ever since she passed, when Fairly comes, I'm like, damn, like I yep. miss Grammy. It's not about the food, but no. but the food gives me that memory, that yeah. warm feeling. Yeah, yeah. sorry, big, uh, Grammy, if you're listening, yeah. we know you are. He doesn't He doesn't mean it's just about the food. He misses you first, but the that's food's right. a real close second. That's right, that's <laughs> right. You know, how, you know how taste and smell, that, 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 that grips you in the gut. You oh, know? man, so. when you say slow cooking for a day, like that's, I think that's a point that people miss. Like slow cooking, oh, you mean in my Instapot? No, I don't mean <laughs> in your Instapot. I mean, <laughs> for a day in a Dutch oven, that's why they call it that, but moving on. Um, so steak and peas, what else? You got another one? Well, we, you know, being in the food business, and you can appreciate this too, you're around food all day long. When you finally get to go home at 10 oh. o'clock or 11 o'clock at night, you're hungry. Maybe you haven't eaten all day because you don't think to eat when you're working around food mm-hmm. half the time. And so we had a tradition after every fair and even just when we were hanging out with Grammy and Pop was just going to the diner, you know? So like a lot of kids, they find the diner like in high school and they hang out and back in our day, they could smoke and all that stuff. Exactly. Exactly. No, I was, hang I was on a minute. Diner Lo- as a five-year-old, you know? Local reference here. Are you talking about the trivet? You know, I, <laughs> I couldn't wait to get that out. I'm like, I know a thing. I want to say it. There you go. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely, nice. absolutely. <laughs> it's so good. Hot open, hot open turkey sandwich oh, with poultry gravy God. on the sandwich and on the fries. Chocolate milkshake, none of that black and white bull crap. No, no, no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, you're right, dude. Yeah, I, I forget what. I don't think it was the class reunion where I met you, but it was another night that we were in downtown Allentown. And, you know, we're hanging out. It's late. We're like, God, we got to tie something on here. And we went to the diner. And I'm like, Holy shit, this is amazing. I want more like diner food is under underrepresented, under underspoken. Like I I feel like it doesn't get the laud it deserves. No, I totally agree. And what's crazy now is ever since COVID, you know, diners have been so short staffed, as has the whole industry. But I mean, like I took my son, we went to Scouts the other week. Mm -hmm. You know, we have scouts every Monday night, it ends at eight o'clock. It was a day off the next day for him. And I said, hey, let's, let's get some food. Let's go to the diner. We go to the diner. We get to the trip at 8.30. And they're like, oh, we close at 9 on Mondays. I'm oh. like, what? You know? Oh. So that whole, John, that whole 24-hour diner culture, that's yeah. in peril. Like, yeah. And that oh, bums boy. me out. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I think I think it's something that'll come back through. But yeah. It's, it's, it's hard. And that's, that's a whole other industry topic. Hey, maybe, maybe in the wake of COVID recovery, I can have you back on a panel because I'm sure staffing a food truck isn't exactly easy either. So it's not, it's, it's a, it's a big challenge. And, you know, our customers have been really understanding about that. We do the best we can and we've got a good crew, but you know, you have to be smart, you have to be careful and, and then people have to, you know, it's been tough all the way around. Well, I mean, you guys, you guys are hauling cookies in that truck, man. Like the speed with which you put them out is remarkable. Um, Talk to me, Chris. You know, obviously, obviously you're mentioning a lot of family and I think that's awesome. Um, If you had to name one person as your culinary influence growing up, who would it be and why? Oh, yeah. Great question. I would definitely be my dad. Um, So, you know, my pop, my grandfather, he learned, like I say, from my great grandparents, he learned in the Navy. But my dad, my dad learned from my pop, but then he also went to culinary school, you know, which Mm -hmm. I I didn't. Um, My dad's a graduate of CIA. Not a lot of people know that. And he was top of his class, actually. And so 
you know, the vision I think that my grandfather had for my dad's life was, all right, you know, I came this far with it. Now you go and get the real education and the real training, you know, yeah. and, and you come back and, and we go forward f- from there. And so I, I've learned so much from my dad about the food business, about cooking. And my dad, you know, he has this degree from CIA, but he's just as happy cooking batch dinners for the church, feeding yes. a couple hundred people. You know oh. what I mean? Like. So it's, I've learned both sides of it. We can do the handwork and the fancy and all that other stuff, and we can make it look great for Insta and everything else, but we can also feed a lot of people at once, and it tastes good, and, it, and it's filling for their bodies and their spirits. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, at the end of the day, and I know I have a pretty big student listening from CIA Hyde Park. Hi, kids. How's it going? Here's, here's what I will repeat to you that I've said before. Stop with the pretense. It's not necessary. If you make something comfortable and warm and good, that re- think about the scene in Ratatouille. I hate to reference a film, but I will tell you something. When the food critic takes that bite and sees that scene in the doorway when he's a child coming home and smelling in his kitchen, that is what everybody, I don't care how many stars you have, I don't care. That's what everybody wants at the end of the day. That's what everybody wants is their last meal. Like, fight me. I will die on this hill. It, it, that's that's what people want. So whether or not you go to CIA, listen, I've known some absolute bums and gems from CIA, and the gems are the ones that are able to say what makes you comfortable, not can I use tweezers on microgreens. Uh, I'm just saying. Not that you're putting microgreens on the cheesesteak. I'm going to put my soapbox aside for a minute. So, Chris, you are – Currently, like, what is your engagement with with Vince's? Is it full time? Is it part time? How is it you're plugged in there? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think it, I think it's full time by default and has been sure. for 42 years, you know. Um, but but, you know, in terms of my professional life and my work day, you know, I spend a lot of my time in the business. Um, that's what I'll call the back end, not back of the house, but nope. with that kind of thing. I'm doing I'm helping with bookings. I do all the marketing. Um, I do all, I do all the books, uh, you know, we have an accountant cause like you have to have an accountant, you know, but yep. like I, 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 you know, I work with all that. I, I kind of help just all the stuff that's not all right. Physically in the truck today pretty much goes through me. Um, you know, and I have help, like I say, we have professionals and everything else, but, mm-hmm. but you know, I'm starting point for all that. My mom and my dad, they, they wrap up the bookings. I'm often the starting point for bookings. So all the administrative stuff. But then on top of that, you know, I'm on the truck a good a good amount. I'm not on the truck as much as Vince is. And, and Vince, <laughs> Vince loves being on the truck. My dad just well, – that's where he wants to be. And that's one of the reasons why I sometimes hang back and I'm in the office. Um, and by the office, I mean like, you know, my desk upstairs in my house. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, um, no, totally. So, yeah. so, 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 so let me ask you a follow-up question to that. Um, was, was that always the vision or was there a moment where you were like, oh man, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this. Like, like, did you have an alternate path at any point? Yeah. Well, you know, what's really funny and ironic, I guess it's like my dad and my, and my grandfather both, like they didn't really want me to be involved in the business as an adult because they felt like they were working so hard physically. They thought like my life would be easier if I was like a good boy and went to college and all that other stuff. <laughs> you know, like in the Godfather, like look, look at you, a nice college boy. What are yeah, you? Yeah, look do? at you. you. Know? Yeah, yep, yep. Right, yep. And I swear that's probably why they didn't name me Vince because my pop was Vince, my dad was Vince. I'm not right. Um, <laughs> but you know, so yeah, I mean, I went to college, I went to graduate school. I have, I have two master's degrees that are not in anything culinary. You know, but I guess. 
you know, I just always was very proud of what we did as a family. And I always felt like we had a really good thing and there had to be a way to get it in more people's hands. And so, you know, one day, honest to God, we were doing a a job at a, a youth sports tournament and Somebody rolled up with one of those Kona trucks. Kona, the uh, was like a snow cone truck, and oh, it, was, yeah. it was food. It was a food, you know, food truck. And my dad, because you know we're in Allentown, we're not in Miami, we're not in LA. Like so, food truck culture hadn't really come to Allentown at this point. <laughs> and I said, Dad, Dad, look at that! Look what they can do. They can roll in, and they can close the windows when they're done, and they can roll out. No hitching up the trailer, none of this other stuff, and. That plan had to see it in my dad's head, like, let's get food trucks. And I couldn't yeah. believe it because he was already like in his late fifties and he was ready for a new adventure in this business. And so he and I just said, you know what? We're going to go for it together and we have a good crew with us. And so I think it kind of was opportunity. It was like an aha moment. And it was like, I think putting this on the road in this way is going to get it into a lot of people's hands. And, and that's thankfully what's been happening. Beautiful. Yeah. Because it's so funny. You mentioned the advent of the food truck and um course grind oh god how how many years is it now we're not we're not 10 years in but we're really close to 10 years at this point and um one of the early episodes was with uh Lisa Fernandez Sweet Chili NYC uh one of the first like fully licensed food trucks i'm probably going to misquote that you know so this is this is going about 10 years back and it's like sure. Wow, that is revolutionary. And back then, as I'm talking to her, she had been on Top Chef and <clears throat> unplugged from that and started doing the food truck gig. And I'm like, that's really interesting. Then all of a sudden, you know, and I'm not trying to be the hipster that's like, oh, I knew about it before it was cool, bro. Um, <laughs> but I kind of am because I'm like, dude, food trucks are going to be because brick and mortar is expensive. Brick and mortar is permanent. Brick and mortar comes with a lot of real estate issues that you don't get with said food truck. Now, Keith Breedlove, and I'll 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 send you the link to his episode. He uh, was the state fair chef of California a couple years back, and he had the culinary the culinary cruiser. And we talked about you know all the like automotive concerns. So of course there's some things there, but it just seems like such a brilliant idea. And man. If we want to talk about food services that kind of like pulled us out of the dredges in COVID, in the pandemic, yep. uh, you got to look at your food trucks, man, because they save everybody's asses collectively. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, we had we, we, yeah, we had some of our biggest business ever was during the pandemic because people were just so appreciative on the customer side that they didn't have to cook for themselves and they yep. could just get out and have a little taste of something different and, and normal. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. Um, and, and, and restaurants went to that model restaurants yep. lo- locally here in Bloomsburg as, as far and wide as I can see went to that model. Um, some went to the mercantile model where, Hey, we're going to sell our ingredients in these little boxes. You can make right. your stuff at home, but I'm telling you the food truck model, boy, Oh boy. I mean, you were ahead of the curve. Vince was ahead of the curve. Vince, if you're listening, Thank you. Um, well done, and what a great reason to turn into it. So now, Chris Coca, let's talk about you know Vince's current landscape. Like, how's it going? What are you doing coming out of COVID? Give me the high level overview of where Vince's is at right now. So right now we are we're blessed with I think really more more opportunity than we can even handle at the moment. Yeah. Um, we we have two food food trucks, but. Our big challenge right now would be to have both food trucks fully staffed the way we want them staffed to run them every day of the week because 
we thankfully we could probably fill that calendar that way. Um, but right now we're mostly running one truck at a time. Sometimes, sometimes both, but I guess what I want to, what I'm trying to say is coming out of COVID, we're in a stronger position than we've probably ever been because we had the ability to to plug through for these last two, three years. And one of the most rewarding things we're doing now, this has been more of a recent thing is, you know, We've been partnering with nonprofits, with, with church groups, with animal shelters, with, with, with Boy Scout groups, whoever the case, fire companies. And, you know, we have a program where we say, look, we'll come to your place. We'll promote it. You promote it. Every sandwich we sell, you get a dollar. You have to do zero work. We'll do all the work. You help us promote and, and we'll partner up together. That, that model has been amazing for us because it really engages the wider community. People know it goes to good causes. And they, they enjoy not having to cook and getting something tasty to eat. So, Unreal. like, that's, you know, that's, that's sort of like a, like a, like a, a very, what's the word I want? Like a very folk response. Cause it's like, it's really about community. But I think, yeah, the no, more, I, I, you know, I, I get it. It's a very, it, it's a very altruistic response for sure. Well, I mean, know, like what you're doing with that. Uh, uh, and again, you know, it's 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 funny. They say the worst of times brings out the best in people, and I've heard more to that end. And to know that you're kind of, like like you're taking, the, you know, the blessings, the the winnings that you're given, and not keeping them to yourself. Like, isn't that what it's all about? Especially in this yeah. industry, man. Because like you Absolutely. can sit there, you can sit there on your stars, and you can whatever, whatever. But like this is what speaks to me more. If you're in the food industry. At the end of the day, your your ultimate goal is to make someone feel good and feel full. That has nothing to do with dollars and cents, right? right. So that's where you guys are coming in right now. That's amazing. Yeah, and, and people have really responded, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm really grateful for that. And uh, so, you know, we, we keep a big part of our schedule open for those kind of things. And then we have our, you know, our regular, like we have a lot of corporate clients that we, that we go to and and then we continue to do private catering and continue to sometimes just set up at somebody's somebody's permanent you know business and, and have partnerships with them. And so I think one of the most rewarding things is when you post, oh, I'm going to be in Berwick this week. And then somebody says, why are you coming to Shemokin? You know, like. Exactly. <laughs> but, but see, like right there, right there, that's like, OK, well, we know where we're going next. Yeah, like, exactly. They're exactly. drawing the map for you. It's like if you think of sales, like car sales or anything like that. God damn, they like the you know, they're probably sitting inside waiting for the next poor mark to come through the door and try to park like a seventy six Lincoln on them, you know, and get it out the door and get it sold, right? Yeah. You're getting yeah. those leads given to you based on your brand identity. Again, that's the thing your your pop didn't have, but now sorry, your dad, I forgot pop was, you know, the generation <laughs> before. Um yeah. You know, he didn't have that knowledge, but like we here kind of in the now, we're a little smarter marks. We kind of get it a little more. It's like, okay, cool. Our brand identity survived a virtual pandemic, not a virtual pandemic, a literal pandemic. So clearly it's going to draw people. It's going to draw. So you can just kind of connect the dots as you go. Um, So obviously the current state of Vince is is phenomenal, amazing, and well-deserved across the board. Uh, much love to the entire family on that. As an insider, sir, a, a, you know, I, I consider myself an outsider insider, but you're an insider. I like to look at trends. I love looking at trends in the industry. And I know there's always like, what's going to be the next big thing? We don't necessarily even have to say generally the next big thing in food. We can say 
you know, the next big thing in food trucks or maybe something like that. But I'll ask you and I'll leave it open for you. What's going to be the next big thing that we, the lay people, the consumers should be looking for in the food industry, huh. if, if not the yeah. food truck industry? Right, right, right. Well, I, the first thing that comes to mind is something that has the potential to be good for some classes of operators but not good for our workforce and not good for people like me who have a, a family business that's mobile is, is the automation stuff. That's mm-hmm. to me, that's going to come in very hard and very fast, especially in the chains. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and so I worry about that because, you know, yeah, we struggle to get people in our kitchens or on our trucks and stuff like that. But we also know that there's thousands and thousands of kids who have that passion that want to be in those spots. And, and what does it mean if we put that in the hands of, of, of a conveyor belt? You know what I mean? Well, now, a conveyor belt or, and, and again, this is not to badmouth the, the, the Golden Arches Empire, but I do right. hate this move. I, I load this move. Like, I honestly, I get angry when I think about this. The touch screens in the lobby of a McDonald's. Yeah. I can't yep. handle it. I really can't. Like, it makes me mad. Um, well, it reminds me of that's like in the nineteen what thirties and forties, man. Those like automated lunch machines. You ever yep. see those pictures? Yep. Drop like, a dime they, in, they, open the door, you get your sandwich. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And I understand why back then that seemed revolutionary and stuff. But now, you know, you're when you take the human component out of the, out of food. I mean, it, now you now you just that's just a mechanical process, and it's you know you're missing so much of what it really should be about. And I mean, to be fair, people, if you're in McDonald's, you're already in a mechanical process. Go to Vince's Cheesesteak, find a food truck, <laughs> you know, well, eat it. Yeah, and, and that's the other thing I would say, too, is we're, I think we're going to, you know, I think a lot about, you know, what does it mean to be able to try to pay a living wage and, and stuff like that? Yeah. And one of the things I worry about is eventually if only the mega chains can afford to pay the living wages, then people like us are going to, we're going to lose not only our livelihood, but we're going to start losing our culture, our culinary culture. We have to be able to get support from the community so that we can hit our margins, but also pay our people what they deserve and what they're worth. Otherwise it's all going to be corporate. It's all going to be golden arches and there's not going to be anything in between. Exactly. And that's not happening on Chris's watch or my watch. So back off. (laughs) Um, That's right. So, Obviously, that's going to be the next big thing. What's something that's a trend right now, Chris? And I know you, above so many other people that I know, are just not a hateful person. I know I know you're a man of God. I know you're a very peaceful person. But I got to ask you, just let a little darkness in for a second. What trend or that, that you see do you just want to see just burn? Like, go away. Come on. Come on. Well, one thing I hate is every every fast food chain trying to do their variation of cheesesteak, and I see more and more. There you more go. Ooh. Ooh, okay, I mean, I okay. Hate, hate that. All right. Not only not only is it inauthentic, right? But how can I possibly compete with you know all the scale that they can put it to work for them when it comes to sure. how how cheap can they go? And 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 you know I think about this a lot. Like I've, you know, I've been to McDonald's, I've been to Arby's and I've had terrible experiences. And yet my ass goes back there sometimes. Why do I do that? Dude, do do you know why? Do you know why? Did you ever have an ex-girlfriend? Of course you did. I'm going (laughs) to let you connect the dots on the rest of that story. You know why you keep going back. Um, So anyway, uh, all right. So the commercial cheesesteak, I would agree. And and like Arby's, shame on you. Stop it. Nothing you're making is like a cheesesteak. Go home. Right. Go home, you're drunk, which is usually how I am if I'm going to Arby's anyway. So there you go. Um, all right. So here's here's that five-year view, Chris. 
What is Vince's doing in five years? Talk to me about that. I think what I'd love to see for us is to be able to fully finish rebounding from the labor side of the uh, of the current you know economic situation, yeah. um, and be able to, to fully staff two or three truck, trucks at a time so that we can you know we can do fundraisers for the fire companies the same day that we're doing somebody's uh, you know 16th birthday party the same day that we're doing somebody else's wedding, um, yeah. and just to be able to be out there with with more more skin in the game and more visibility um, because we, ha- we have, we have the demand. The hard part for us is, is the logistics. And so yeah. my hope is that things in the world settle the hell down, you know, mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. Our, our supply chains really get back online in better ways, that inflation starts to come under control, that we don't have any kind of crazy war and all that stuff yeah. so that we can get back to making people happy with the things that make us happy, you know? Seems simple enough, you know, the whole yeah, war right? thing. Let's uh, calm down overseas. And uh, and, we'll... and it's amazing. People don't always understand. Every, everything that happens, you know, even five, six, seven thousand miles away, one way or another, can impact the price of your cheesecake at the boom curve there. You know that, what I mean? Yeah, that, that is... <laughs> Oh boy, that's that's a whole other topic about how people don't get it. What do you mean beef is more expensive now? Stop yeah. it. Just just walk away, please, for the love of God. But you're right, and um, no, I mean I think you know as 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 a controlled conservative uh, goal, I mean I think that's solid. And if you can start doing that, man, then I think the doors start opening right back up. Yeah, I think so. And I, I should throw in there, I'm very grateful that we didn't have any people complaining to us about <laughs> higher prices this year. I think people get it. But, yeah. but you know, it, it is something I worry about, not just as a professional, but just in my life as a consumer. I mean, yeah. and you, I mean, we both, you and I both have three kids. Yeah. Um, <laughs> wow. You know, just the, the way things have changed and, and you hope to God that, you know, the things that we care about in terms of food and business and making those connections aren't going to be things that get too out of reach for most people to sit down and enjoy every now. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, we've already seen it, but there, there again, to turn the light back on Vince's cheesesteak and the work that they're doing, you know, they're going to these churches, they're going to these not-for-profits, and they're helping out. So again, you know, don't don't build a higher wall. That pun was intended. Um, <laughs> but build a longer table. That's always yeah. been my stance. So let's go into afters, Chris. Let's go into the Terra Dome, if, if you will. Uh, put your helmet on, put your knee pads on, put your elbow pads on, and be prepared. Um, you and I are standing in the kitchen. You can pick if it's the food truck or your kitchen, my kitchen. And we're cooking, and you've got DJ control of the music. Now, here is one that I can almost bet I know what the answer to this is. What are we listening to and why? Uh, you and I are, are thrown down together. We're gonna listen to definitely maybe from start to start to end. Beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> ah! You and I are gonna live forever. <laughs> Speaking of YouTube, YouTube and podcasts, do you ever watch Rick Beato, the musician? No. He did a whole thing about what makes Oasis great, and I was like, finally, someone who's American besides me and Sean Rosler appreciated. <laughs> besides everything, like what did he cite? I mean, let's just let's just not even. So he. So he went through what he thought some of their top songs were, and he explained, sort of like in musical analytic terms, why they're so good and everything. Yeah. And it was funny because he, you know, so he talked about Don't Look Back in Anger, he talked about Wonderwall, and then he's like, but this next one, 
like, this next one, he's like, it's really under the radar for most people, but I freaking love it. And I said to myself, it's going to be Slide Away. And it was Slide Away because that song kills me. <laughs> I would agree. I would agree. I would throw Live Forever in there. I would throw, yep. um, oh, shit. Of course, now I'm on a hot mic and I'm like, no, I don't know who Oasis is. Um, <laughs> but yeah, definitely yep. Don't Look Back in Anger is like forever, like the be all end all. Um, so yeah, we would literally binge listen to Oasis. And when people came in and said, are you still listening to them? We would turn and in stereo go, yes. And go back to what we're doing. Um, Absolutely. Chris Coca, I'm going to... What, what's the, that? The, the song about making lasagna, right? We have to play that one in the kitchen. So, well, of course. Yes. There's there's no there's no question to be had there. Um, <laughs> sir, I'm going to take you on a helicopter to a deserted island. I'm going to strand yep. you there. And you can only bring three foods or food-type items with you. Uh, inexhaustible supplies through the power of imagination. But only three, what would they be and why? My first response is pizza. Love it. Because it's pizza, right? And, exactly. And no matter what happens, I can eat pizza every day. I just could. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I get it. I, I get it. I feel it. Yeah, definitely. Definitely pizza. Um, this is going to sound so stupid, but it's something I've recently discovered. Have you ever had this this uh, sparkling water called Spindrift? Yes, I love Spindrift, dude. I have become addicted to the lime spindrift. I love so, spindrift. Yes, <laughs> yes. My pizza and my lime spindrift, only four calories per can. It's amazing. All natural, nothing, no sugar added, a little bit of a hit of lime. A little you know? bit of natural juice in there. That's where you see the four calories versus just straight up seltzer. Exactly. We get it. Exactly. I, exactly. I, I think there's something in the water in Parkland because Greta is like a hardcore seltzer nut. So <laughs> there you go. There you go. There so you go. pizza so, spin drift and what I swear, if you don't say the one thing, I'm going to lose my mind. Go ahead. I'm just going to say steak and peas. <laughs> oh, okay. Nice spin. Nice spin. I thought if he doesn't say cheesesteaks, I'm going to hit <laughs> stop and I'm going to throw the episode out. However, now that I know the history of steak and peas with you, respect, respect. And, and also, I've eaten more than your my share and your share of cheesesteaks in my life. So. Fair enough, fair <laughs> enough, dude. I, I still I've eaten... love them. I still, I still love them. You're still top three for me. With that son. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, Melanie Dinea is an incredible uh, photographer, journalist, and she did two books. She did My Last Supper and The Next Course, and in each book, there's 50 world-class chefs, one picture, one set of five questions. And I drew, you know, that that almost 10 years ago, I drew inspiration uh, from her for the format of the show. Um, just that in that it's a very templated approach. But her approach was to the question of your ticket's getting punched tomorrow. What's your last supper? Mm. So, oh, Chris, I ask you, if your ticket's getting punched tomorrow, what are you eating? What are you drinking? Who's there? What music? Paint oh the scenes God. for me. Yeah. All right. So I'll start with the music. It's going to be a playlist. It's going to be it's going to be Oasis. It's going to be Bruce Springsteen. Okay. It's going to be Tom Petty. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, who's there? Man. Man. Well, I guess my family's there. Um, Mike Schmidt is there. <laughs> Mike Schmidt. Hell yeah, Mike Schmidt. <laughs> Go Philly. And um uh, absolutely um i'm eating i'm eating a vince's cheesesteak i'm eating mrs t's pierogies <laughs> i'm eating hot wings from a little bar in allentown that doesn't exist anymore 
Um, Wait, was that the uh, was that the Irish bar? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it used to be used to be ten cent wings. When we were in our early twenties. It was ten cent wings. People still thought wings were garbage. <laughs> uh, PJ uh, PJ Wellahan. Yes. Yeah, 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 nice. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Nice. Oh uh, no, no, no. PJ Wellahan's is still there. They're oh, very good. Okay. Um, but this was called uh, JP O'Malley's. And, oh, okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. It's now like a, a like more of a um, an upscale like little bistro, but uh, but yeah, that was back when we, oh my god, ten cent wings, and we we eat like sixty of them, and now I can I'm lucky if I get down fifteen, but yeah, um, and I'm drinking <laughs> I'm drinking I'm drinking a chocolate milkshake from the trivet from like circa nineteen ninety. Hell yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, Love I think it. that's it. I mean, that's and that's kind of who I am. Like I, you know, I like fancier things and stuff like that, but at the end of the day. I like what makes me feel good, you know? Yeah, at the end of the day, that is all that matters. And finally, Chris Coca, to you, sir, operations guy and just all-around good dude, I got to ask you the hardest question, the last question, the simplest question, all at the same time. What is food to you in a single word? Love. Beautiful. Beautiful. I love the, I, I love the fact that there was no hesitation. Out of came. That's it. <laughs> That's what you want, man. That's what you want on that answer. Love it is. And love clearly has driven five generations 65 years of vince's cheesesteaks and i am so glad we had the chance to share a mic tonight because your story is absolutely amazing and uh i can't wait to do it again soon maybe maybe live on site i've got a travel bag i do live yeah. broadcasts um, you know i can get you behind the grill we can show you how we do it let's I mean, go baby a lot, of, a lot of fun with it my knives are still <laughs> sharp son my back is sore but my knives are sharp so <laughs> We're always in business. Chris Coca of Vince's Cheesesteaks, thecheesesteakplace.com. Look for them on the Facebook, on the Twitter, and on the Instagram. Again, Chris, I cannot thank you enough. Thank you so much for being here tonight, buddy. Hey, thank you for having me. This was a blast. Give my best to your fam. And uh, thank you for, for giving us a little bit of an opportunity to you know get the word out and to, and to reconnect ourselves. I really Absolutely. Absolute joy. Absolute joy. Thank you again, buddy. Our you producer, as always this evening, has been Johnny Leland Robinson, a.k.a. the Reverend Johnny Omoria. Be sure to check out all his Libertarian Pirate Party and Anarchic happenings in the 18431 our next episode is going to be number 196. Who knows who's it's going to be? It's, I don't at this point. But who cares? It's going to be a blast. Stay tuned. I'm on